We're going to be looking at two scripture passages this, passages this morning, and they're both rather long. And then there's some other stuff I want to say, and that's sort of long. <laughs> but I'm going to see what I can do to get this message across that God has given me through uh, the writers of scripture and, and do it in, you know, not too much time. But just be forewarned. Just kidding. Our primary passage is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 23, the whole chapter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins." in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That passage, that whole chapter, is compi- comprised of the introductory greeting and then two sentences. Verses 3 through, thir- through 15 are one sentence, and the remainder of the chapter is the second sentence in Paul's writing. Now, it was sort of a rhetorical thing in the Greek language to to do a lo- you know, long sentences, but in this passage, it's not just that, it's 
It's excitement, it's exuberance. Paul is like falling over himself with excitement about what God has done, what God is doing, and who we are in Jesus Christ. He can't contain himself. And as you read this passage, uh, and I encourage you, read it over again at home and just and see how, how magnificent it is. It's also really full of information. It's also really deep. And I could spend one pastor ask his church if, if they would mind if he spent the rest of his career preaching from Ephesians 1, because there's so much there. But there are also afternoon activities, so I will try to, to limit my comments today, and maybe we'll come back to it on another day. But in our um, Prayers of Jesus curriculum, we're looking today, uh, this week, at John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, where he prays, asking that the church be unified, unified in a relationship with God through Christ, and then unified together. And our unity will be the primary sign to the world that God is at work within us. Why is that? Why is that unity the primary sign? Because the work of Jesus Christ was to bring unity between God and humanity. He became human, embracing our humanity, dealing with every human thing that we deal with, and then raised humanity into the throne room of God so that humanity could be united with God. This is a glorious thing. And it should characterize the church that we live in this connection with God that then impacts our connections with each other, that we are united to God in such a powerful way that we sense our connection with each other. And this is all by God's Holy Spirit. I've talked to you a few times about my call to this church and the process, and and there was one church that I was really interested in. I thought it was the right one. Um, There were a few like that. Um, But of course, this was the right one, and I'm glad to have landed here. But in the process, I got sort of discouraged because there were churches that I thought, well, this could work. And they said, no, we don't think so. <laughs> but I was saddened this week as I looked up one of those churches to see how they were doing to discover that the pastor they called instead of me was already on his way out. And he had written this very nice pastoral letter that they printed in their church newsletter in which he you know, said farewell, but he also said some things that if you read between the lines, and not even very carefully, you could see were issues that he perceived in that church. The main thing was, he said, you are a church that was planted in the 1980s. There, I expected that there would be a lot of energy and passion here, that you would have a a deep commitment to reaching your community, a sort of an entrepreneurial spirit as the Holy Spirit guides you to, to think about what your call and mission is. And he didn't say they didn't, but he did ask this question. But I encourage, well, make this statement, but I encourage you to consider whether you are satisfied being a religious institution. Reading between the lines, 
he saw that, and to be honest, I sort of sensed this in the phone interview that I had with them, that even though you would think they have a relatively new building, they have a relatively new church, you would think that they'd, st- and, and they are in a community that's growing, you'd think that they'd be really embracing their call to reach their community. But in talking to them, and he, in experiencing them, discovered they really just were self-satisfied. They were happy just to do churchy things. And I fear that that shows that there's a lacking. Whenever there's a lacking in our passion for God, that means there's a lacking in our relationship with God. And Jesus in John 17 says, God, make them know that we are connected. Make them know that I am connected with you and because I am connected with you and then I am connected with them, that we are all connected. And this unity is a huge part of what Jesus was accomplishing. He was accomplishing a unity between humanity and divinity. So that when the kingdom of God comes, when the reign of Christ uh, overtakes the new heaven and the new earth, we will be united with God. There will be glorious fellowship with God. And what Jesus says is, you can experience that now. And he prays to God that we would experience that now because that's why he did what he did. Suffering and dying for us. Now, I may have um, shared with you one of my favorite words um, from the Greek. It's not in Scripture, but it's a word that people have um, used to describe the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what they say is they live in perichoresis. Now, my other church would tell you, my previous church would tell you immediately what that means because I use the word a lot, and I might have already used it here. Anyone know perichoresis? Either I haven't used it or you weren't listening. (laughs) Para in the Greek means alongside of or with. With in a very deep sense. The Holy Spirit is called the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the one who is with us. Choresis is the word from which we get our word, choreography. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are envisioned to be living in a constant dance, one with the other, all three, in perfect harmony, in perfect rhythm, always and eternally relating to each other in this beautiful movement. And when Christ embraces humanity, and says, I want you to be with me. What he is doing is inviting us into this eternal dance so we can envision the kingdom of God as an eternal interrelatedness, an eternal, beautiful, rhythmic, harmonious existence. The existence that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have had since eternity past. And God invites us into for eternity future. It is a beautiful picture, and it is a picture of being with, of being united, of being together. 
with no, no dividing walls, no separation between God and us, no separation between us and our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a glorious picture, and I pray that we can embrace it as Jesus prayed that we would, that we would have that unity. Now, the reason I chose Ephesians 1 to go along with the John 17 passage of Jesus praying for unity is that in Ephesians 1, Paul gives us a picture of how this unity occurs. And throughout this passage, as he falls all over himself to praise God because of what, because of what God has done, he says, we have been blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing. For God chose us before the creation of the world. He predestined us for adoption in accordance with his, in accordance with his pleasure and will. That came out to me this week as I looked at this passage in a whole new way. It is because of God's great pleasure that he adopted you. God gets great pleasure from his relationship with you. The Old Testament prophet said, he sings over us with love. That's just one picture. But God loves loving you. So don't let anything keep you from knowing that love. And it's not because of anything you've done. It's because God chose you. Because God reached out to you and said, I love you, I want you to know my love for you. This all in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will and then the promise of the fulfillment of all of these things when he brings unity. Notice that word brings unity, verse 10, to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That is the ultimate goal is this unity. And what Jesus prays for is that his church, you and me, that we demonstrate this unity to the world so that they see what it is like to know the grace and love and mercy of God, to know what it is to be part of God's kingdom and demonstrate kingdom values, to know what it is to be united with people, some of them very different than we are, in a deep and powerful and eternal, everlasting way. So, as we look at the prayers of Jesus, we're looking at this prayer, when he prays, make them one, as you and I are one, Father. In other words, we invite them into this dance, this glorious, eternal, joy-filled dance, that they may be one with us. And Ephesians 1 says, it's done. It's done. Our songs earlier in the service today, many of them were, were sort of heart songs of those who felt unworthy, those who felt like there's something wrong, there's something that divides us, and then the promise that there is nothing that divides us because God has embraced us. 
Jesus Christ, in praying this prayer, knows that he has not yet paid the price, but he is praying this prayer right before he goes to the cross because, and that, that reminds him of the glorious thing that he is about to accomplish through his suffering. And I just want to close with um, the latter part of this passage. I, I went through and I looked, for the, um, I looked for the prayers of Paul throughout the, uh, his letters, and almost all of them resonate with this one. His prayers are for the church to get it. His prayers are for the church to understand the, the magnitude of God's love for them, to understand the call upon our lives, to bring this unity that we have experienced with God to our relationships with each other and then to the world around us. Here is this prayer. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, why, so that, what? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. This is Paul's prayer for you that you may know the power of God, the love of God, the presence of God. And as we have looked at the prayers of Jesus, we've seen a common theme running through, that prayer is not, first of all, a laundry list of things we want to get, but prayer is the way we build our relationship with God so that we experience the unity with God that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. The prayers of Paul echo this throughout the scriptures, that we would know God and that we would be faithful as we know God to share this message with the world. And in closing, Hebrews chapter 4.14, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need.